doing anything just to get you over my mind. But when the morning comes, I'm right back where I started again. And trying to forget you is just a Hey gang, thank you for listening to a very special bonus episode of The Hustle. We are talking to Nick Nespajani, who is the frontman for probably the most popular cover band in the world today, Yacht Rock Review. If you guys have seen Yacht Rock Review in concert, you know what I'm talking about. It is like two or three hours of just Yacht Rock jukebox heaven. All the great tunes performed perfectly. They look the part. They sound the part. Six or seven guys up on stage, saxophone, all of it. These guys are a total blast. They have become more popular than many of the people whose songs they cover in concert. And I thought that would be really interesting to talk with him about. You know, what is life like in that industry when you are that popular, but you don't write your own music? You know, what is that like? Now, Nick and I first talked about a year and a half ago, over a year and a half ago. You remember Robbie Dupree was on here. Robbie set this up a long time ago. And unfortunately, that we did an interview and it was great. We counted down our top five favorite Yacht Rock songs and uh, the file got messed up. and it, uh, So it never came out. So now Nick and I finally reconnected about a month ago and we did it again. And uh, so we count, he counts down his top five favorite rock, Yacht Rock songs. This is number five right here. Player, baby, come back. Anyway, since Noel from Reliving My Youth and I just did a top 10 Yacht Rock track, I didn't bother counting down mine because we posted mine recently. Anyway, when he and I talked before, they were thinking about making a new album and they have done it. And it's called Hot Dads in Tight Jeans. And it's all original material. And it, But it's all in the same vein as the great Yacht Rock so- music that they perform and that we all love. So check out this album because it is a blast. We play a few songs from it in here, as well as the top five, as well as Nick's top five Yacht Rock songs. Anyway, I think this is a really fun conversation. Unfortunately, because of Corona, he's grounded like everyone else. And that might be a bigger hit or a different hit to people in their situation than it might be for, you know, regular bands and songwriters and stuff like that. I don't know. Nick has been putting on, has been posting videos from his house doing Yacht Rock covers acoustically and they are fantastic as well. So give these guys a follow on Facebook or whatever you want to do to stay in contact because this stuff is so much fun. I love it. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, Here's Nick. All right. Well, for starters, so let's kick this off. What would you say your number five favorite Yacht Rock song is? Number five favorite Yacht Rock song. I'm going to go with, I mean, I have my five here, but I'm just like ranking them is always Uh kind of arbitrary when you get into the top five. I'm going to (laughs) go. All right. The number five. Yachtiest song. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, "Baby Come Back" by Player. Yeah, there you go. Uh, partly because I know the guys in the band and they're great guys. Partly because it's like in terms of pure smoothness, the uh, the production value of it is just incredible. The the sound of that recording is so uh, unique. I feel like there's not another recording that sounds like it. As soon as it comes on, you know exactly what song it is. Especially the vocals of that song, like the 
the layered vocals in the chorus. Uh, yeah. Such an, yeah. Such an iconic sound. Sounds great. Right. And Peter Beckett, the singer, you know, he plays with us sometimes. He can still sing the shit out of that song. He's amazing. Nice. I um, I was supposed to interview him last year, and then he, he could only give me like 15 minutes or something, and I was like, yeah, it's not really... I'd rather go a little deeper than that, so we, we haven't done it yet. When you... I think there... Are there two versions of Player out there now? There's Peter's and Ron's. Is that right? That is true, and we, you know, we've played with both of those guys lots of times, and it's, uh, it's too bad that this, you know, this wedge has come between them to drive them apart because they were apart for a long time and they got back together. And when it's just the two of them, they're so happy, but they, you know, when the rest of life creeps in, they find things to not get along about. And it's, yeah. it's really unfortunate. It's a shame. That's so true for so many bands, you know, it really keep it together. It is. well, good. That's number five. So let's talk about bands. When we talked before, you uh, kind of intimated to me that you guys were either thinking about or about to record your own album, which w was funny to me because it seems kind of counterintuitive for a band, uh, you know, one of the most famous cover bands in the world to set out to make their own music. But Hot Dads and Tight Jeans has happened. And uh, the first track off, or the first uh, single is Step, and it's fantastic, and it's got all the hallmarks of great Yacht Rock song. you to do this i mean the honest reason it was kind of like a midlife crisis thing for me you know i wasn't gonna buy a fast car or sleep around on my wife so making a yacht rock album with my cover band felt like the right thing to do instead i'm still happy with the way that it turned out the producer yeah. ben allen did an amazing job and it was a long process from the concept of finding the right producer to writing the songs, getting in the studio. And then, you know, we recorded it the first, you know, late winter and early spring of last year. And then we went through the mixing and mastering process and the artwork and got PR on board and shot videos, and you know, did the whole gear up to the release. I think the first single came out in October and then the album came out February 22nd and we were on tour you know, the songs were being received really well by our audience. It's not like we played the whole album, you know, but we would mm -hmm. play a couple of the songs and, and they were some of the biggest applause moments of the entire show. Really? We played, 
our own songs. It was I was not expecting our crowd to embrace it like that. And they bought a ton of records and streamed it a bunch. It was actually on the Billboard charts for a couple of weeks. And really, we were wow. uh, yeah. I mean, it could not have gone any better. It exceeded my expectations in every way. And we were in the process of hiring a radio promoter and really about to try to go bigger with it when the virus hit and we had to cut the tour off and come home and all of that time, you know, emotional investment, spiritual investment, not to mention actual dollar investment kind of feels like it got walked out on a plank and left there, you know, been tough because we felt like yeah. we had a good thing going and now you know it's going to be a while before we can get back out and get those songs in front of people again it's still doing well you know but um the momentum feels like it really got stopped in its tracks i can imagine i uh you know before you said all that i was going to kind of make a joke about whether when you play your songs in concert is that when people go to the bathroom because one of the beauties of being in a band like yours is that nobody there's never a dead spot there's you know there's no new songs to play every one of them's a hit and now you're adding your own stuff to the to the track list but it sounds like your your fans have totally embraced it it's a it is a shame i mean a band like yours are uh i mean you're solely pretty much dependent on concert revenue and touring and everything like that i'm sure it's a grind but when you can't do it anymore that's got to be a real hit how are you guys holding up I mean, our business is just paused, basically. Yeah. Fortunately, there's not a ton of overhead, but we do have, you know, our staff at home, a few people that work in our office at home, as well as our staff on the road. And I think everyone is decently set up to be able to weather a little bit of this storm. And we applied for the payroll protection program through the mm-hmm. government, mm-hmm. and um, that's looking good. So. Hopefully we'll be able to help people weather it for a while, but I think it's going to be some time before we get any kind of consistent touring going again. So I don't know. I mean, it's the answer this week is different than the answer last week, which is different than the week before that. The situation is so fluid that it's impossible to say, but right now everybody is safe and healthy and, you know, we have a way to see through the next few months and then we'll just have to, figure out what's happening at that point yeah 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 um i was watching the video for step which is uh so much fun and it it looks like from the credits that i saw did your wife direct this my sister your sister wow yeah yeah, is she like a you know film person she is yeah she has a company um in brooklyn she and her boyfriend have a company that does commercial work, music videos, and a lot of like uh, special effects, visual effects on television and films. Uh-huh. Um, she's done videos for like Mastodon and High on Fire oh, and Run the Jewels. Nice. And, um, so she's pretty serious in that world. And uh, she came down to direct it along with our friends in uh, Chorus Films, who are the people that are doing the documentary film on us. And they were instrumental in producing that and making it all happen the uh the collaboration was i mean the results speak for themselves i think it looks like a zillion dollar video on it not does. a billion dollar record. <laughs> yeah. and you kind of buried a lead here are they making they're making a documentary on you guys yeah they've been um shooting a documentary on us for the last i don't know it's probably been five or six years 
that they wow. have been shooting. So, I mean, the idea was that they were going to follow us through the release of the album, and that would be kind of the third act because uh. they captured the rise of the band and, you know, the us getting comfortable, me in particular, getting comfortable with being in a cover band versus being in an original band and all of the, yeah. you know, uh, psychological strain that put on me, which seems so silly in light of what's going on now. This whole perspective of the virus has uh, really made me realize how my obsession with, you know, being an artist and getting this original album to be well-received. Yeah. Even though it went great, it was all kind of silly in the grand scheme of life. So that perspective has been interesting, but interesting. yeah, so they're making this documentary and uh, we'll see where it goes now. Cause you know, we need some funding to finish it out and funding probably just got a lot more tight for uh, hail Mary projects, like a documentary about a 70s soft rock cover band. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, that's great. I got more questions about that, but let's go to number four. What's your number four favorite Yacht Rock song? My number four favorite Yacht Rock song is going to be... Man, it's just so difficult. I'm going to go with Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. Oh, very nice. Why? Technically, probably not Yacht Rock. I'm, it, it's going to be my selection from the category of songs that are so just ridiculous uh-huh. and silly. And like, how did that song ever even get made, much less put on a major label album, much less become a hit? Like, yeah. it's shocking when you look back at it. But uh, there's something about doing songs like that live. Mm-hmm. and the way that people are like no way and then you nail all the harmonies and every nuance of it and it becomes you know the the journey from surprise to it being an anthem uh-huh. is such a, a fun 
a fun thing when you're playing live. You know, I think there are a few songs in our set list that are that way. I would say that uh, the other one that really stands out is Arthur's theme by Christopher yeah. Cross. There you go. Yeah. Another one where it's just so ridiculous. And then the, the big moments come and people, it, you know, you might as well be playing like Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Yeah. Really? So those songs really take off live. Yes, you would. You would be surprised. <laughs> huh. Yeah, amazing. Um, I had quite more questions about that, but let's. I want to go back to your. I, I'm going to come to that later. I want to go back to your mental psyche because I don't think everyone who really, really wants to be a musician and is a good one like you are sets out to be the kind of musician that you are. Um, we may have talked about this before, but I don't remember all the details. What you know? How did this? Uh, and you maybe you're sick of telling this story, but. How did this even happen, you know? I mean, how did you stumble on this? Was the intention originally for you and your buddies to be a rock band like like all the others? And, uh, you know, what was? how did this become what it is? Very gradually, you know, there huh. was no moment where it was like, okay, now we are a cover band and this is our job. It was, uh, we'd moved to Atlanta. We had this original band, Y.O.U., that was pretty popular here and toured a little bit and had a couple songs and commercials, but never was really able to like break through in any kind of real way. You know, we always had crappy jobs you know, working at an insurance company or uh, caddying golf or something like that, you know, and which is actually a great job, but uh, <laughs> you know, we were doing all that and then we were getting to our late twenties, which is, pretty ancient for indie rock and we were like okay we probably ought to figure out what else we're going to do with our lives so we started to kind of splinter off and do different things and at that time this club called the 10 high in the virginia highlands the guy that booked it named curtis gave us thursday nights to do anything we wanted every thursday huh. and so we were trying all these random things comedy and doing you know nights of our own original music and then we would do nights of our own original music but in the context of like a 60s soul band where we had a horn section and backup singers you know we would we were just trying all sorts of crazy stuff and we had this thing we would do called a rock fight where we'd choose totally unrelated bands like bob seeger versus hall and oates or yeah. fleetwood mac versus tom petty which i guess is not as much of a stretch but so we we're doing these rock fights and we decided to do a special report on 70s am gold uh -huh. And we were about to do the show and we discovered the term Yacht Rock uh, uh -huh. from the guys that invented it out in California and said, OK, well, that's a good name for what this is. We did it once. And then before we knew it, Curtis at the club was like, you need to do this every Thursday. And we were like, oh, I guess. And, and we started getting asked to play weddings. And, you know, I ended up like quitting law school and guys started quitting jobs and we got an office in a van and it became like a wedding and corporate band. And then we started mm -hmm. to tour a little bit and it was like, well, maybe this really can be a touring thing. And now that's become our main business, you know, selling yeah. concert tickets. Yeah. Um, and it was never, there was no one aha moment. It was just, uh, just happened. Okay. Now we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying this and it's, uh, kind of been the same thing with the uh, the original album and creating content you know we're just yeah continuing to follow the head of the snake wherever it leads us got it um, how long ago was this 
When did you guys start? It's been like 10 years, right? First show was, I think, 2007. Okay. Boy, even longer. 2008, maybe. I can't remember. Okay. Seven and or how, eight. How far into it, then, could you quit your your day jobs and just make this your life? I feel like it was so gradual that that happened. Maybe 2011 or 12. Okay. That it became, like, a full-time job. Wow. Now... You know, going back to that midlife crisis idea, do you long to make solo albums or, I mean, are you in a, would it be, would it be weird or inappropriate for you to have like a side hustle of things that you musically, that you do musically that satisfy your soul? Or are you getting everything you need at this point? A a pandemic aside, you know, I know that everything looks silly and light of what's happening in the world right now but from your own soul are you is this feeding you it is actually i'm i'm writing new yacht rock songs now and i have a side project called indianapolis jones that i do um sometimes it's a little more like psychedelic or whatever but fun but the thing i love about bringing my creative side to yacht rock is that people actually listen to it you know like i can work so hard on something and if i try to release it through another channel it just you know my friends and family hear it and that's it whereas with yacht rock i can do what i always wanted to do which is make music and have people hear it so that's been really satisfying and i've got some new stuff that i'm working on and i mean i don't know you know with everything that's going on right now it's so crazy i don't know when we would be able to make another album or tour behind it because we still kind of need to finish touring behind the album that we have uh-huh. like we're getting ready to go do our big shows in the northeast and in the midwest and so we still kind of got to get the tour for hot dads and tight jeans out of the way yeah what it, i mean how does a band in your situation how do you launch an album like this do you do you what radio stations will it could it get played on I always imagine when we talked about this a year and a half ago or whatever, I imagine more of like a, you know, a trinket, a trinket sounds reductive. I don't mean for it to, but like a, something to sell at concerts. Oh, you, thanks for coming to our show. You like what we do? Here's a, some original music. Check it out, you know, but it sounds like this is bigger and better than that and more meaningful. How do you, where does a band like you even go to pedal yacht rock music, new yacht rock music? I mean, that's one thing about the way that the, the music industry is so splintered now, like there's a mm. genre for everything, right? True, you know? good point. And there is an appetite for it. And also our fans are just, as I said, just so much more accepting of it than I expected. And they're, you know, making dance videos to Step and sending mm. back, you know, their kids lip syncing to Bad Tequila.
you know, it's, <laughs> it's all kind of working in a way that we never expected. The radio was going to be like AAA and like non-commercial NPR stations, mm, basically. Nice. Okay. For a start. I don't know. There was talk about some crazy stuff that could have been happening. It's all like in the wind now. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. who knows? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was the question that we were starting to answer. And our publicist was, was helping us. We had a great article come out in Rolling Stone about the album that nice. compared us to like Air and Phoenix. And I can't remember who else, but Came and Paula, I think. Like Really? Yeah. Yeah. You should <laughs> check out the Rolling Stone article. It was, it was like super cool. <laughs> Wow. The entertainment, the entertainment weekly article was great too. We had, um, just some really incredible press hits. Um, huh? Okay. Oh, that's great. Good for you, man. You just yeah, like define uh, the odds, you know, what, who would have ever guessed, you know, but anyway, that's, that's wild. Good for you. Okay. Tell me a, tell me a third. What's your number third, number three favorite song. Um, I've got to have a Hall & Oates song in there, so I'm going to go with uh, She's Gone by Hall & Oates. Everybody's high on consolation Everybody's trying to tell me what is right for me My daddy tried to bomb me with a sermon but it's plain to see that they can comfort me. Sorry, Charlie, for the imposition. I think I got, got, I got the strength to carry on. That one, I've got, it's always going to hold a special place in my heart because I have the memory of actually getting to perform that with John Oates. He's the best. Uh, I got to be Daryl Hall and John Oates was John Oates, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. He sat in with us on a, we were doing a music cruise together, um, hosted by the band Train who are um, great buddies of ours. That was one of the last gigs we did before we uh, had to shut things down. We were on the the train cruise, um, the Sail Across the Sun cruise with them. But so She's Gone, we did did on this boat with John Oates. And so I'll always remember that. I I love the crescendo of that song. It's so small and chill. And then the chorus has become so big. And then there's the whole buildup of the modulation with the sax solo before the the modulated chorus to take the song out and we do mm-hmm. a big pause in that moment and let the audience mm-hmm. sing for a second before we come back in so we've, we've made it into uh, a gigantic power ballad and it's always fun to have that moment with the audience mm-hmm. um so yeah i love singing that song Good. it's hard to think yeah i could i bet if you have anything i would think that if you have to emulate Daryl on just about anything, that's not, that's going to be tough, you know? 
Yeah. Um, a lot of these yacht rock songs have super high lead vocals, you know, whether you're talking about Daryl Hall or Kenny Loggins or good point. Christopher Cross even. So it's a bit of a physical challenge. Before we get back out, I'm going to have to start like working out my voice again to make sure I still have it all. Yeah. Um, tell me, I can't remember the name of your the other singer in Yacht Rock Review. Peter, yeah, he sings that. He sings She's Gone With Me. He's usually at the Jonos. He okay. and I met in fourth grade, and we've been in bands together since high school. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. He uh, he rocks the '70s clothes very well. When you see him, when I when, the time I saw you guys in concert, he uh, he just looked like he belonged in those tight pants and bell bottoms and the you know butterfly collars and everything. He he rocks it. He looks great. All you guys. Yeah, do. he's a. He's a very physically fit individual. It keeps me uh, honest with my uh, <laughs> diet and exercise regimen, having to have my shirt tucked in next to that guy every night. <laughs> That's true. You don't want to be the schlub that stands next to Peter every night, right? Yeah. That's yeah, great. For sure. Now, you talked about keeping your voice in check. I was noticing and getting ready to talk to you. You're putting out like a weekly uh you know concert from your home tell us about how this happened and i noticed in one of them in the background there's our our good buddy robbie dupree's record uh on the mantle or something back there how did these happen we wanted some way to keep connecting with our fans in the lockdown situation and yacht rock is like the most anti solo acoustic guitar music it's all yeah. so produced and so many layers of instruments and backing vocals all performed by the finest musicians and singers of the time and trying to recreate it with one guy yeah. and a guitar in a room <laughs> is totally impossible but i you know it was that or nothing and um it's been a great challenge for me to figure out how to perform some of these songs in that way and i think i've done a decent job and we've been creative and figuring out ways to get the other guys involved i have them record videos and then i plug the ipad into my sound mixer and put it up next to the camera and so i can do baker street with dave our sax player or, mm -hmm. or you know do rich girl with our keyboard player mark ben kuya in kind of like a socially distanced way right. so uh kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier like finding ways to keep myself uh engaged yeah with music when um and i don't know this is maybe this is this talks about my own my own mind frame or my own peace of mind i i would uh i would during these during this pandemic it almost seems more tempting for a person like me to just shut down well there's nothing i can do I'm going to go in my room and read a book and I'll come out when it's all over. Do you feel, maybe you feel that way. Like when it's actual, when life is actually happening and you're playing three or four shows a week and you're just like, man, I would love a break. But then when a break actually happens, do you get itchy? Like, wow, this is, I'm not used to being home this much with nothing to do. I got to do something. I got to connect with somebody somewhere. Is that kind of the feeling you go through? Yeah, I mean, the connection is important, I suppose, but it's really more like this is so much bigger than any of us, and we're uh -huh. all so helpless in this storm. And for me, it's more just finding something that makes me feel like I'm able to have some kind of effect, yeah. even if it's very small, you know, making a few people happy, raising a little bit of money to help our crew make it yeah. through the tough time, you know, like it's a, 
me kind of searching for a way to have some kind of impact on the situation instead of just letting it impact me. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, let's talk. Let's get into the minutia of being you and your band. What song are you just sick to death of playing? Right now, none of them. I would play the Pini Colada song <laughs> 20 times in a row right now. That would probably be my most, my usual answer would be Pini Colada song. Really? Okay. Uh, Escape by Rupert yeah. Holmes. That one gets pretty old. But there are different, you know, there are different ones on different nights. Like uh, for some of the guys, it's Baker Street. They just can't handle doing that anymore. For others, they don't like it when we get into the more 80s stuff. So they get uh-huh. bent out of shape if I call Careless Whisper by Wham. Uh-huh. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, everybody has kind of a different uh, perspective on it. For this tour, we were actually not playing Brandy by Looking Glass, you know, uh-huh. which is a Yacht Rock staple, but we just felt like that song needed a little bit of a rest. Huh. Uh, wow. You know, that's kind of just the way that it goes. Every song yeah. needs a rest. Somehow. That's true. When I saw you guys, you played um, Take Me Home Tonight for Meddy Money, and you played uh, You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon, and I thought, wow, I've never... I think you played Careless Whisper, too, and I thought, wow, I've never thought of these songs as being Yacht Rock, but when you see you guys live, it all makes sense, you know? It's it's a greatest hits jukebox of a certain kind, certain era, and uh, coming from you guys, who are these fantastic musicians, it all makes more sense than you think it would. I think I read on your website, maybe, that you had played with Eddie Money. What was that like? Oh, man, Eddie Money was amazing. Like, he... We were playing this event with him. We played with him several times, actually. We played with him like like Space Camp in Alabama. We played a few private events with him. We played a big show with him in Houston. The first time we ever played with him, we were in this conference room getting ready to do this show. We'd never met him before, and he was coming in for sound check. And he like comes fumbling through the curtains from behind the stage, and he's like, "Hey, does anybody have a tums?" You know, and he's, he's like, just on like full Eddie money cartoon uh, character from the first moment you see him until the last moment that he leaves. And he's just such a sweet, like generous guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he was great, man. He was really fun. I miss Good. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us some other, you know, you've met so many of these people by now played with them or cross paths who, uh, what were some of the more, you know, what, what inner, uh, interactions stand out? I've got a really close relationship with uh, both Robbie Dupree and Matthew Weiler. Oh, I just um, emailed Matthew yesterday in hopes of getting him on this show. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah, Matthew's an amazing guy, um, has been such a mentor for us with our careers. And, you know, obviously playing a song with him on stage is really funny and fun. And because he had never really toured behind Break My Stride, like with a band. And so the first time he played with us on stage was one of the first times that he ever got to play his biggest song in front of a bunch of people and have that swell of emotion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, But he, you know, every time we're in L.A., we hang out. We were just hanging out with him when we were out there in February, and he co-wrote one of the songs with us on the album. Which one? Um, Big Bang. Oh, 
And then Robbie was the first guy that really bought into what we do and saw that we were not making fun of anything. You know, mm -hmm. that's what they were all initially afraid of is that we're somehow like making a mockery of, of their careers. But it's not just because we can be funny and have a tongue in cheek attitude about ourselves. That's not how we feel about the music, you know? And I think once yeah. he realized that he was all in and, you know, he and I, speak on the phone weekly i would wow. say we just wow. um we just did a uh uh quarantine style you know brady bunch video for um his song hot rod hearts for a yeah benefit in los angeles for um covid first responders so yeah those two guys are are definitely like super special in my heart uh because we've you know it wasn't just music it was like we uh Became become, friends. Became yeah. friends, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked... I've said this before on here, but I I feel like those guys coming up with the term Yacht Rock is one of the best things that could have possibly happened to so many of these artists because it, uh, it recategorizes this music that isn't... It's beautiful, great music, but I wouldn't call it fun necessarily, you know? And to have, to have it become... Almost vi to have all this music go viral under this, you know, this fun moniker, and it eludes, it elicits now a fun night out, you know, a box of wine and a and a captain's hat, and you know, looking at bands like yours with the retro clothes and the hairstyles and stuff, it gives all this, it breathes new life into the genre that would have probably just faded away otherwise, and uh, now all these people have like a purpose, they're reborn in a new light and maybe they think of themselves as serious musicians but and they are but it uh calling it yacht rock and make it, building a whole fun subculture around it has just it's reinvented all of these people and given them new whole new careers you know that they wouldn't have had otherwise yeah and a lot of them realize that and appreciate it for exactly the reasons you just described Good. there are some you know some guys that are bigger that feel above it and still are get the sense that we're like Will Ferrell, Ron Burgundy making fun uh, of them. Right. And that's not the case with us. It's not the case with almost any band that's doing it. And it's not the case certainly with the people that are tuning into the Yacht Rock stations on Sirius and, and loving it. It's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You buy in and you've got a whole new bunch of fans and a bunch of people who care and You've tapped into a real passionate market. Okay, let's go number two. What's your second favorite Yacht Rock song? Number two is going to be Africa by Toto. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I 
hear the drums echoing tonight And she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. Like it's the one that we play every night, and it's—I can honestly say I've just never gotten tired of that song. Like I like and knew that song before we started this band. I mean, some of the songs I'd never heard before mm. we started this band because uh, this wasn't like my genre of choice. But that one just doesn't get old, and it's just the lyrics are so—they make just no sense. <laughs> but it some, it somehow creates this feeling of of both longing and triumph at the same time. Uh-huh. There's no other song like it. There's yeah. a reason that it's become the kind of pop culture cornerstone that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a unicorn yeah. song. It really is. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I talk about second leases on life. That song's had it. What song works? What song gets the crowd going the most? And what songs, and this is not a disrespect to any of the people who recorded these songs, but what songs just have not worked? Have you? Have, what songs have you tried to introduce into the play, into the set list, and they just don't go over as well as you would think they would? There have been a few like that. Even the Nights Are Better by Air Supply, I thought Ooh. was just going to crush and didn't go over. Waterloo by ABBA, I thought was going to be awesome and didn't yeah. go over. And sometimes it's just, you know, with those songs, we played them great. It just it didn't connect with the crowd. And then there are others that we were skeptical, like, is this going to work? And I, was like, I think it is. Uh, we added Lady by Little River Band. Oh, and okay. we put in like these like big hair metal stadium rock kicks at the end of it that we all do. And it, <laughs> it's just become just so over the top. Uh-huh. At first, when I, when I put it on the set list and asked Peter to sing it, he was, like man i gotta sing this song this sucks and then um it's now it's like can be one of the encores you know no way. Uh, wow kind of sneaky yeah you know you touched on this a little bit like something we really like to do with our encores though is just go way outside yacht mm. rock and do something like hit people with that element of surprise yeah uh-huh. um, because if you go to a hollow notes concert you know they're going to play Manny or you know they're going to play uh, Rich Girl but with us you know we can kind of keep that surprise coming because totally. you don't yeah. know what songs every song is a bit of a surprise so at the end we like to really take it out so we we've been doing More Than a Feeling by Boston 
Ooh, good uh, one, yeah. Which, which by the end, everybody clapping and jumping up and down, yes. like on the beat. With, you know, I kind of lead everybody in doing that. That one gets, that one gets pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Okay. Do you find that the people that come to your concerts, do they, are they like deep music people or is it more casual? Like they know the hits, but if you go too deep or too, because like you were saying about, uh, you know, like Lady by Little River Band, I mean, that's a great song, but I don't know that most casual music listeners would know it from the first few bars or whatever. Do you, uh, do you find that your fans will go as deep as you want them as you want to go or do you got to keep it sort of top layer i mean that's kind of a question where the answer's been changing the last few years you know really? we used to try to go deep mm -hmm. in like 2012 or 2013 it just felt like we lost people like we had to keep it like cocaine energy right. rolling the whole night <laughs> right <laughs> or they would turn against us quickly whereas yeah. Now, you know, if we can get away with playing our own songs and have those be some of the biggest songs, then I feel like we can probably go deeper. But usually it's kind of like a part of the equation is, well, if we're going to take all the trouble to learn this song and really refine it to the point that we feel comfortable performing it, which takes a little bit of doing, we want some return on that investment. You know, it's a bummer uh -huh. when you get the air supply song together and then it doesn't come back in the set list because nobody cares about it. Yeah. So okay so yeah yeah okay good to know how many shows a day uh, a year are you guys playing or were you playing i guess 120 probably wow a year wow i don't Do think you... we're, i don't think we're gonna hit that we're not gonna hit that number this year no <laughs> no i can't imagine um where are your Where's just your favorite place to play? Well, you know what? That's probably an unfair question because you get invited on a lot of cruises and probably like tropical locations. So where would we be surprised has a, is a real hotbed for you? Well, back to your first question, my favorite place to play is probably going to be played in Santorini. That was pretty awesome. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That place is incredible. <laughs> I bet like places that are hotbeds for us that you wouldn't expect boston is just like insane for yacht rock really yeah indianapolis is wild about yacht rock uh huh. like portland and seattle we've only been there a couple times but both of those cities are ravenous for it so my personal like honest answer would probably be new york city because i like when you go into New York city and get to play someplace like Irving yeah. Plaza or Webster hall or Brooklyn bowl. And it's like, you know, what you dream of when you're a kid is coming in and owning it in New York. Yeah. And to get to actually do that is an amazing feeling. And one that I hope I never take for granted. Cause there's just something special about going into New York and blowing the lid off a place. I can't wait to do it again. I bet. Where is like the most exotic, far off place you've been asked to play? I mean, Santorini was pretty wild. We've done um, a couple events in London. We did this event in Costa Rica. This guy who is the heir to the Estrella uh, beer uh, company okay. had a birthday party. And it was like some straight up like Godfather kind of style. Like, <laughs> multiple bands like party on this beach and like 
girls in bikinis eating fire and dancing up on scaffolding and like the girl that played before us had just gotten off tour opening for Ricky Martin. I mean, it was like mm. fireworks and like, it was insanity. We've done lots of crazy ones. That right. one was fun. Yeah. I remember, and this may not go anywhere. I don't know, but I'm going to ask anyway. When we, I remember when I saw you here in Denver, there was this, I went up, I waited for you afterwards to say hello and introduce myself. And there was this lady who was just all over you wanting to talk about ambrosia and she wouldn't, let it go and she was kind of like keeping you from saying hello to all the other people that were there it was really annoying are do you uh have do you remember any like what are some of the more outrageous fan uh interactions have there been crazy ones do you find that people are so passionate about this kind of stuff that uh you see or have heard some strange things yeah probably i mean there are some stalkers that make me like feel like my head's going to be on their wall as a trophy someday there are like you know there are propositions from time to time like some kidding and some definitely not there are like (laughs) bras thrown at the stage you know like all the that's something about you know all the 70s like rock star cliches like the fans want to be a part of that so they uh sometimes take their hold up their end of the deal you know yeah yeah how does your wife feel about all this and and i say that because as we were kind of talking about at the beginning of this about just the you know what you do during lockdown and stuff like that it's um one of the balances that i find and maybe you feel this way too as a fairly new father is you can't be like i'm i'm watching you in your on youtube in your recording studio i assume that's at your house you can't, you're not allowed to be in there for 12 hours a day. You've got to contribute. You got to feed the kids. You got to drive them somewhere. You got to change a diaper. You got to, you got to help or else the wife gets really unhappy with you performing every third day. There's got to be some, uh, you know, kind of a deal made or some compromises there. Is your wife like really on board and very grateful that you have this odd, but fun job, or is it difficult to balance it all? Um, I mean, the balance is always difficult. I think anyone who's passionate about what they do, whether it's music or accounting or whatever, like the work-life balance is kind of like a a modern problem that we all struggle True. with. True. You know, we got married right when this band started, so mm. we've kind of like grown up together in it and we've just mm. never known any other way. But she's so strong. She's a rock. Like, it, uh, right. I go away for a couple weeks at a time and she's here with two kids and a labradoodle and she's holding it down, you know, it's like way harder than the job that I'm doing. The trade off of it is that I get to not only do something that I love, but I make a great living. And Mm. when I'm home, I'm really home, you know, I'm not having to work in the same way that other people are. It's a balance, but it's one that's worked well for us. You know, our Saturday night can sometimes be like Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) That's true. That's uh, true. It doesn't work and if there if the wife isn't the rock that you were just describing, you know? It doesn't work otherwise. It's too difficult. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you uh before we count down your last number one favorite yacht rock song, I'm wondering if there's some story in the back of your mind that's one of your favorites to tell that I didn't ask a question to provoke it. 
like remembering back to what life was like like more than six weeks ago just feels like ancient <laughs> history like all the random access memory all that ram is like filled up with other stuff now yeah, you know? so true so true <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it's like to be on stage and have people like roaring back at you. you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I just never want to miss an opportunity to hear someone's favorite stories. Oh, there was this time we, you know, got drunk with Christopher Cross and whatever. I don't know. Whatever it might be, you know. I'm just always curious what those stories are. Um, okay. Well, tell us. What's the what's the number one? And after you say it, I'm going to tell you. I only remember. I remember two or three of the songs you picked last time we did this. And two of them have not come up yet. And so I'm curious if the, if uh, we'll, t we'll have to discuss those after this. But yeah, what's number one? I think this has probably been my number one answer for a while. Um, Heart to Heart by Kenny Loggins. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was the one I was waiting for. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I, uh, I love singing that song. It's such a challenge vocally. And it's such an interesting song in terms of the, the chords and the the melody. It's uh, just a genius piece of work in that regard, and such a quirky kind of feel. Mm -hmm. There's no other song like it. Not to mention the David Sanborn sax solo is just sick. So that one's one. And you know the guys who invented the term yacht rock. They they challenged us one time there because, you know, they were not purists and they are, so they like to bust balls about it. And mm -hmm. they were like, oh, Yacht Rock Review could never pull off this song. <laughs> Got way too much subtlety. They can't just beat you over the head with speed and power. And so uh -huh. I was like, okay. I felt like the gauntlet laid down. So the fact that that's like one of our, you know, go tos. Yeah. It's like one of the songs that people expect when they come to see us in concert. And it's not the first Kenny Loggins song you think of when you think of Yacht Rock, but like most people would think of This Is It, you know, yeah. or Yeah. What a Fool Believes, the song you wrote with Michael McDonald. But yeah, that okay. song's particularly satisfying. I had to figure out, I, you know, doing these Thursday night lockdown shows, I've had to figure out how to perform that one by myself, and it is not easy. Oh, I believe it. Um, oh, wow. But I figured it out on solo acoustic guitar and kazoo, and now I have a, a solo version that I will uh, challenge anyone to to beat. It's a pretty good version. Good. Right on. I love that song too. That was the one I was wondering if it was going to come up or not. I think when we talked before, your number one was Escape, the Pina Colada song. But I guess in the last year and a half, you've it's kind of uh, run its course. <laughs> but no, um, I was definitely being sarcastic. I. I I have okay. a thing with the Pina Colada song where like a lot of times both on stage and in interviews or whatever, I like to talk about it. Like it's the musical equivalent of the Mona Lisa, uh -huh. like, like just blow its greatness way out of proportion. I, uh -huh. I, when I introduce it live, I constantly challenge myself to find a more ridiculous intro, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> comparing it to like Bob Dylan or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Like I'm, well, trying to find something that's just so completely off the mark that it becomes on the mark. Right. So that's why, probably why I chose it as the number one song. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Well, Nick, I mean, uh, you guys do a very special and specific thing. And um, I, I can, I can understand the midlife crisis stuff, but at the end of the day, you're a more gainfully employed, you know, rock star than a lot of actual rock stars. And, uh, 
that's got to feel good. I mean, they're you're drawing more people to your shows than some other people are, and uh, they're and you make people happy. And what's more, what's better than that, you know? And now with the new album, you can contribute your own, you know, little nuggets to this uh, to this ride. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, making people happy for a living is a lot of fun, and I feel very lucky that that's what I get to do. That's it. That's it. Um, well, good. Well, thanks for talking with me. All right, there you have it. Nick Nespajani, Yacht Rock Review. These guys are a blast. When everything calms down, if you get a chance to see these guys live, I could not recommend it high enough. It is so much fun. You will love it. Assuming you have a stomach for Yacht Rock music, which I hope you do because it is so good. All right, and check out Hot Dads in Tight Jeans. Listen to it on Spotify. Go buy the CD. Whatever you got to do, check it out because it is it is also so much fun. And I said it's it's all new original material, but it sounds like music from that era. It's perfection. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Give these guys a follow on Facebook. Keep in touch because it's well worth your time. We will talk to you all soon. Come through years and years Can't find a way back